Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome back. This is your host, Irvin Leah from Beer to the Bible. I got my good friend and co-host Sarah with me. Hi, how are y'all doing today? Hey, Sarah, I'm super excited to be back at it. And we have added a video component. So how do you feel about that? I'm super nervous about that part. <laughs> hey. I was a makeup artist and I do my makeup every day, but this took a whole new form on this morning. Hey, well, you know what? We're going to depend on God's grace and continue to follow us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. And as you feel led by the Spirit of God, you can donate and support the ministry at HamptonMinistries.org. So let's jump into it. Today, we are talking about addiction as God, alcoholism or drug addiction as your God. It's a deep subject, Sarah. So what do you think? And Man, um, I just remember being tied to that bottle yeah. just for so long that that relief whenever I got sober, when I went to treatment, um, just was lifted off my shoulders. But that dark, dark, dark space that I was in yeah. um, for so long was just, it was plaguing. It was yeah. awful. And and we just want you guys to hear that. And we want some of you guys that are out there um, still in your addiction, um, still tied to that bottle to just kind of hear what we have to say about, you know, our experience in that, because we've been there. We've done yeah. that. We've been tied down to that addiction. Um, I personally was vodka and that vodka bottle for me was literally the devil. Right. Yeah. And I, to this day, um, that's what I think the devil is, is that <laughs> vodka bottle because I was, you know, I, I did not have God in my life at that moment in time. Right. The yeah. bottle was my God. Yeah. And, and I can relate to it as well. And it's interesting. You said vodka because mine was vodka as well. And the thing I remember most about that deep, dark period was just how tied my soul was to that bottle, right? My mind, my will, my emotions, and that good things would happen in my life. I'd go grab that bottle. Bad things happen, yep. I'd grab that bottle. And I, I remember how disquieted my, my soul would always be and it felt like the lie that the enemy in my flesh told me was have a drink. And it just seemed like everything inside me kind of calmed down, the noise in my head calmed down. So as you, you think about uh, alcohol as your false God, when did you realize like, man, I, I'm in trouble here? I think I always knew I was in trouble. I mm -hmm. mean, from the moment I first tasted alcohol, it was, I was happy, joyous, and free. Yeah. And then when I got sober, they teach you. Yeah. Sobriety makes you happy, joyous, and free. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I was, I was just, I knew 
right and wrong, right? We're mm -hmm. taught that from an early age, we're taught right from wrong. I knew what I was doing had gotten gone too far. Yeah. I knew that, you know, I had those little voices on yeah. my head, you know, yeah. the good and the evil, like yeah. you are an alcoholic. No, you're not, you just drink too much. Yeah. You're an alcoholic. No, like you just love to party. You mm -hmm. just, you know, this is what you do. This is fun. You do this as a part of work. So there's yeah. some justification there yeah. to all of it. Um, but deep down, you know, we all have that voice inside of us. Yeah. Um, and we just have to take the time to actually listen. And right. it wasn't until I surrendered fully mm -hmm. to Christ mm -hmm. again yeah. Yeah. that I started to kind of, the light started to shine in little by little. Yeah. And here's some encourage, uh, encouragement for everyone. Sarah said something that hit a nerve with me is that I laugh all the time. I've been baptized three times. <laughs> and I said, the third one finally took. And right? that's okay. Yeah, because yeah, it kind of takes what it takes. So don't be discouraged if you have to get and return to the Lord and be baptized and recommit your life to the Lord again. Because that third time, I, I made a conscious decision, right? Like, you are not just my savior, because I think for so many years I functioned as Christ as my savior, but not as my Lord. Yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that I was Lord. And when I was lording over my life, I was doing a very poor and pitiful job. So as we, as we talk about that, Talk about, I guess, the collateral damage that when you've got this addiction as the false God ruling over your life, kind of the collateral damage that comes from that. Man, I mean, the most important thing is you're not true to yourself, yeah. you know, like yeah. you are important. And yeah. I, I lost who I was. My yeah. sense of self was completely gone, mm -hmm. much less, you know, hurting my family. Yeah hurting my career, yeah. hurting all the things that um, I wanted for yeah. my life. It was just, you know, it's a domino effect. One thing affects all of it. Um, yeah. And you don't realize that at first, you know, yeah. at first you're just, you drink because it's fun and yeah. because we don't talk about the generational stuff that's there. We don't talk about, um, you know, your grandfather being an alcoholic. Yeah. You just, you know, you pick up that bottle because it's the thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then you get so far down the rabbit hole that you're just one day you wake up and you're like, what happened to me? This didn't, yeah. this is not fun anymore. Yeah. You know? And, <laughs> um, I remember going early twenties. I remember going, um, to different churches to yeah. try to find what I was missing, yeah. to try to find, um, whatever it was, that hole was being filled by yeah. alcohol, yeah. um, any kind of alcohol. Yeah. And, what I needed was that nourishment that Jesus Christ provides you yes. and that the Holy Spirit provides you. Yes. And when I, it's so funny because it's so simple, right? It, and it sounds simple. It sounds yeah, simple, yeah. Um, but it's not until you experience that, yeah. but you have to go through the pain. You yeah. have to go through whatever it is yeah. to get there. And I'm so thankful that I'm here today to be able to talk about it. And I, we just want you guys to hear um, that it's possible to get there and recovery is possible and yeah. sobriety is possible and having a relationship with Jesus Christ is definitely possible. It, you know what? It, it changes you and it starts on the inside and then it starts to change the exterior and then you run into people and people say to you, man, you, you look different and you're sitting there saying, well, no, I, 
but it's it's your continents and it's the light of the Lord shining through. The the enemy tells us so many lies when we're in our active addiction. And one of them that he told me that I truly believed was when you drink, that's when you're really having fun. That's when people really like you. Because yep. what I realized was I, I knew that alcohol affected me differently from my my friends and my family because I always drank at a faster pace, right? They're on one drink, man, I'm on three. And yeah. I'm saying to myself, <laughs> like, hey, what, what's going on here? And then the other thing is I always after a period drank to get drunk because mm -hmm. i was like well what's the use of what's not the getting point? the buzz exactly like, this is this is what it's about so that's a lie right Absolutely. and then when i when i knew kind of like you said internally i'm saying it affects you differently you make horrible decisions when you're drinking like most of my issues and problems that i had stem from decisions i made while under the influence of any alcohol, even just a little bit, I made really bad decisions. And then I'm saying to myself, like, you, something's off. And I'm thinking, well, is it my willpower? I didn't understand that alcohol was a disease yep. and that your, your, um, your, your family history plays a part in it. All the things that we both know now because yep. we've experienced it. And let's let's delve into that a little bit, right? Because both of our families and in our culture, you know, alcohol and drug addiction are kind of we're gonna pray it away. Yep. We really don't talk about it. yeah, that's just drunk uncle or drunk aunt, and we kind of tolerate that, right? Yep. When there are resources and help out there, and that's a part of people seeing people that look like us saying, hey recovery treatment center yeah good thing counseling a good thing yep. trauma counseling a good thing so talk about your decision to say enough is enough i'm going to get help um well it took me a long time i went in and out of aa for two years um yeah. like i know many of you probably have before you try it and you're like eh, this isn't for me like yeah. these people are cold they're weird they're <laughs> you know and then you go the church route and you like i said when in my early 20s i church shopped and so I went to different churches and yeah. I'm like I don't fit in here to either because they have the spirit and I clearly don't right now yeah. you know yeah. um so there was that battle going on with me um but you know you were talking about the genetic disposition our families our culture you know it was cool to yeah. drink yeah. and at the and it wasn't cool to talk about your problems no. like that is the first thing I remember is I feel like I went to my mom at about 18 and I asked her, I think I want to go to counseling. Yeah. And she was like, you don't need to go to counseling. Yeah. Uh, 12 years sober. Um, she asked me the other day, like, why are you sending your daughter to counseling? There's not a problem there. I'm not yeah. sending her because there's a problem. I'm yeah. sending her because I had to learn the hard way yeah. to prevent problems yeah. from happening. Yeah. You know, and so it's just the mindset. It's the thought. It's the way they were raised. Yeah. And so I think for you and I, it took God knew we were strong enough. Yeah. He knew we could handle it. He doesn't ever put us through anything we can't handle. Mm -hmm. um, and we went through we, we went through. And for the first time, we became vulnerable yeah. and we showed that to our families yeah. and through our recovery and through 
you know, our story and us getting better and looking better and talking better. Yeah. They, they were like, wow, you know, I want what you have. And so that's kind of what Christ asks us to be too, right? He wants us to show who he is Mm -hmm. through us and through our relationships. And that's such, it gives me chill bumps to be able to think that that is the mission he put Mm -hmm. me on because that's all I want to do now, you know? Yeah. It, it is, and it doesn't feel like work, and there's a lot there to unpack in what you said. So I, I want to start with this notion of being from our background that counseling is not necessarily viewed as positively as it should, nor as productive as the outcomes dictate, right? And a part of that is, you know, my family and different people I know um, along the religious spectrum said, well, we're going to pray about it. Well, don't you think that I prayed about it for years? Yeah. But God does work in and through people. And that includes what? Counselors, doctors. Absolutely. Right? I tried for years. And the longest I could get was about 14 months on my own, just kind of like white knuckling it, you know, watching and, and just really trying to be sober. But when I got to rehab and I was able to, I'm going to use the word, humble myself Mm -hmm. and say, man, look, I know the Lord is with me, but the Lord has to work through the counselors, the chaplains, the other people there to encourage me. And he did his work. And I think the other part of the equation is in religious circles, addiction is looked at as kind of a different kind of a darker sin on the spectrum of sins yep you know you walk into a church and say i'm having problems in my marriage or uh you know god forbid you committed infidelity man they hug you bring you in and there's a billion people around you you walk in and say hey i think i got a problem with alcohol oh lo and behold i may be addicted to pills or or heroin Uh that's a whole nother issue and what we have to do as the church no matter what the sin is we we've got to love absolutely we, we have to love that person and i want to hear you talk about you know the wounds and i was talking about one of my deepest wounds was during my six month period where i just said i give up i quit i'm just going to get up every day and i'm going to drink and i hope perhaps that i don't wake up one day right and i remember in that six month window I don't recall anyone saying to me, hey, we love you, right? The first person I recall saying they love me um, was the lady who took care of me during detox when I couldn't feed myself. And I remember saying, wow, she just said she loves me. And that, man, that just like a light bulb went on in my head, in my mind, in my soul, like you are still love, which means there's what? There's still hope, hope, right? So what I would tell anyone who's dealing with a loved one who's suffering from addiction is start from a place of love. Absolutely. We, we, you, any addict already knows that they need to stop drinking, but they don't need to hear that from you. What I recall is so many people talking at me, but not talking with me and then not starting from the place of yep. love when they were giving me, oh, you need to stop drinking. Well. Okay, I think we get that, but what are the optics of that? And yeah. what, what was your experience around that? It's funny that you say that because what was coming to my mind was, um, you know, I had 
different counselors. My parents had hired different people to try to intervene on me. Yeah. Um, they used the tough love. Yeah. They did all the things. Um, and now I work in recovery, so I do the things that worked for me. Yeah. And it's exactly what you said. Yeah. I had um, the most lovely black man yeah. come into my home and do an intervention on me. Mm -hmm. And I heard him. He told me, it's gonna be okay. Yeah. You're not different. Mm, he scary. had a similar background as myself as um, we were both in business and sales and came mm -hmm. from that background and had great careers. Mm -hmm. um, and then we still had this issue. We mm -hmm. had an addiction yeah. to alcohol. Yeah. And he told me, I don't know what you think treatment is but mm -hmm. it's a place to go and find your sense of self it's a yeah. place that you're going to go to rediscover who you are yeah it's a place to go to surrender um, and it was a place where i found jesus again mm -hmm. in that treatment center mm -hmm. and like you said god puts people in your life for reasons or seasons yeah. or for a lifetime yeah and um, I am still very good friends with this man. Yeah. We now work in the industry together and mm -hmm. we tell this beautiful story. And um, he's still, you know, he remembers yeah. doing the intervention on me. It was on Easter Sunday. Oh, wow. That's coming up. That's Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that, well, that's uh, how our God works. And Jesus, yes, he works. And so it's just, it, it brings me to my knees to just think about, you know, the people that he has put in my yeah. life and the wounds that got me to where I needed to be to surrender, to get to where I am today. Yeah. And I never can forget those, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when we see people who are, you know, going through the same things and they're early in their recovery or they're still out there, yeah. we don't judge them. No, you, you, you meet them with love. Wow. And I tell parents and I tell people that call me looking for help, you have to approach them differently. Like throw everything you know out the door, yep. get on their level and tell them, I really care about you. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. Please explain to me. Yeah. You know, it's the tone of your voice. It's the, yes. you know, and they'll be able to, I mean, it happened with my husband, you know, I mm -hmm. was wondering what was going on with him. His parents yeah. had just passed away. He was clearly suffering from grief and depression and anxiety and, uh -huh. and, and masking those with substances to make him feel better. Yeah. And I wanted to help him, but I didn't know how. So I did what every wife does, yeah. you know? Yeah. I nagged, I complained, <laughs> oh, I whined, I begged, I pleaded, yeah. I reasoned, yeah. um, all the things. And it wasn't until I just sat down, yeah. gave him my gift of time, yeah. and just asked him, like, I don't know what's going on with you, but I love you. There you go. And I really need to understand what's going on because I cannot help you if I don't. Yep. Sorry, that was a lot. Well, the, the thing of it is, is we forget. Our world is set up now to segregate you. We all have these phones. We have headphones. I, I look at the gym and I, the thing I love about my gym is that it was a place of fellowship and it was like my country club yeah. early on. But now everyone's got the, the earplugs and buds in and it's a one-on-one, -on -one, you're isolated, right? Yeah. So many times our enemy has done such a great job of distracting us and then isolating us. 
and then we're not really in community and fellowship and help and encouragement yeah. comes through fellowship and allowing the Lord to work in and through us for our good and, and for his glory. But you, you said something that was a little bit painful for me because it, it brought back the memory of, okay, I'm a black man who went to a treatment center, which is very rare. Yep. Um, when I was in my treatment center, there were two other black guys. And when I got out, I did 31 days and I stayed that extra day because I was like, I'm good at here, but hey, when I go out there, the yeah. real live bullets start flying, yeah. right? So they said, go to AA as soon as you get out. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm thinking there has to be other black guys in here. There were none. Nope. <laughs> we're like none. <laughs> and then I started going all around the city. And it took me probably six months before I ran into another black man or yep. a black woman. And I remember one of the guys, uh, one of the white guys pulled me aside at my group. He said, listen, you cannot leave and you have to stay. So when the next black person comes in, he sees someone that looks like him. And, I love that. And, yep. And, so and that was powerful. Yeah. That was Because I was looking, but the thing that they did was they loved me. That word again. And you're and, probably also looking for a little bit of a reason not to come back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you know, at 31 days, you can you gotta go yeah. either way, right? You, yeah. You're sitting there saying, I, I think I had, I had forgotten how to live, right? Like, what do people who don't drink? do yeah because my whole world had become built around my false god Absolutely. and everything stemmed from when can i start drinking and feel good right yep. when can i start drinking because as soon as i start drinking i'm gonna feel good i'm gonna be complete and then i can the world love me right yes that's, that's the lie of the enemy so talk about being a a woman who went to treat works works in the addiction field and then also having recovered from alcohol and just some of the stigma around that. Um, well, I'm a Hispanic woman. And so mm -hmm. I feel you in that, you know, it yeah. is a bunch of old white women and white men. You yeah. know, it's not, there's not a lot of people in our culture because most of them are probably still out there using and drinking yep. and doing the deal. Or they just, you know, they want a reason like, oh, there's not other yeah. Hispanic and black people in those rooms. So yeah. why would I go? Yeah. Um, and so I, I love that you touched on that segregation because when I stepped out in vulnerability and um, started to do community with those types of people, that's, that's when the Lord and the spirit starts to work. Yeah. Um, and isolation is the wow. number one killer. I mean, yeah. but we can isolate and all kinds of things, not just in addiction, yeah. but especially in addiction. Um, and it took me a long time. We're selfish and self-centered. That's, yep. that's the qual the qualities and characteristics <laughs> of an alcoholic. Yes. We are selfish and self-centered. We think we don't need anybody. Yep. We think we don't need help. We think we can do everything <laughs> on our own. I got it. Yes, and the yes. Lord doesn't say that. No, nowhere in scripture he doesn't say that. He wants us to break bread with other people. He oh, wants us true. to be vulnerable with other people. I had to be taught that because yeah. I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I don't know if I was just never taught that or I just, you know, was so yeah. self-consumed. Yeah. But that girl had to kind of slowly break away for yeah. me to um, realize 
that community is where I'm going to get fellowship and fellowship is where I'm going to become a better person. And it did start in treatment because you have to bunk with somebody else and you have to share your stories in group. Um, And then I became, I I enjoyed it, you know, and the more and more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And then you get to a point where you kind of become a recluse again out here, like you were saying. um, And that's why you need somebody to kind of, you know, meet you where you're at and then take you through that again and have some kind of fellowship and community, whether it is in a 12 step meeting, whether it is in, um, for me, it was women's Bible study, you know, that's where I felt safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about my recovery. I talked about my alcoholism. um, And then I became, my story actually became what what other women like me sharing my story made other women share their ism and so i quickly became very vulnerable and i think that that has helped me to this day help other people because we want to hear truth from people there's too much of the other Um, noise out there and you know the getting your nails done and getting your plastic surgery done and going to the gym and looking a certain way that people they thirst for truth and um that's what i like to see and that's what i needed and that's what i try to do for other people and that's why we're here for you guys today so you know that you have a safe place and and somewhere that that people understand you you know and we want more of that and that's why we're here doing this show is because we literally came from beard to the bible that's right um and found our needs and found um our father again and really has has brought us to where we are today and we want to share that and shout that from the rooftops yeah and and i never thought when i was in rehab that you know the bible says that the lord works all things together for good right i was like i don't know how you're gonna take this 31 days and work any good but (laughs) he did right the radio show the podcast the ministry all stem from me falling into addiction which i'm sure the enemy meant to take us both out god flipped the script on that and said no 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 we're going to take that wound and that pain and we're going to bandage it up and i'm going to heal you and then you can go and tell your story and tell people what i've done for you and too many times when you're in that act of addiction you feel like no one else is in it and you're all alone and the enemy tries to keep you isolated and one of the things that I had to learn was, like you said, I was selfish, self-centered. And I remember my wife saying to me one day, she said, you know, you're fine being by yourself. Like, you don't need anybody. Yep. Well, a Christian who loves the Lord, who's by himself, as one of my friends said, you're just a dead Christian. You're good. The enemy's going to get you. He's yeah. going to kill, steal, and destroy you because you don't have any prayer wars. You don't have people. You don't have community. You don't have the church. We're the church, right? Yep. So the other part of it was God had to work out of me was, and I say this to people and they go, that can't be true, but it is true. I'm shy and I was never one to really like people. I'm just being real. And I'm like my wife said, me, the book and by myself, I was good. The Lord said, you you can't steward and and be in the ministry if you don't love people and you're shy. So the Lord shows up and start working all of that out of me, right? And the Lord takes your weaknesses sometimes and he He makes them an asset, right? Absolutely. Um, so talk about, 
because you and I both kind of had this uh, collateral damage, we'll call it, of we we fall into addiction, and of course our relationships are going to suffer. So yeah. talk about that, and then the, the process of kind of the healing and recovery of of our relationships and restoration is the word. Sure. Um, so for me, I was complete opposite. I was an extrovert. Yeah. So I loved people. Um, yeah. I love talking. I love public speaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I necessarily love TV and being on the radio. It's yeah. just funny. God, God works in mysterious ways because yeah. here we are yeah. doing this thing, yeah. but we're doing it for him. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, what, what came to my mind when you were talking was that little voice in my head, that wound. Um, I think a lot of us feel like we are not enough. Yeah. That word enough. Mm. That was what plagued me. Yeah. If I wasn't just from a very early age, I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't um, making good enough grades. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, in enough sports in enough clubs like and it would make me do more of all of that. Yeah. And I was in the prove you wrong. Like you told yeah. me I was going to do something or not do something. And you know, I was going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened in treatment. I went to treatment and they said only three of you are going to make it. I was going to prove you wrong. And yeah. I was going to be that person, yeah. um, which is great. It served me for my purpose, right? It, mm -hmm. it kept me sober. It's kept me sober, but that's not the only thing that kept me sober. You know, yeah. I had to um, get in community. I had to start studying the Bible. I had to start, um, just listening to other people's experience, strength yeah. and hope to be able to become vulnerable because I'm not a vulnerable person. Just like yeah. you said, I um, can be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. I don't ask for help, um, which means I don't lean on um, engaging in community. Yeah. Um, and then I grew up Catholic and, and that relationship with Christ was very foreign to me. Mm -hmm. um, I knew the works, I knew the acts, I knew what to do. And I felt like I didn't live up to those yeah. things. And that's kind of what started me on this whole thing. But it wasn't until I had that relationship and, and it has to be a personal relationship, you yes. know, and it can be ongoing, but I had to learn for myself who Jesus was. Yeah, yeah. I had to feel him in my soul yeah. and I had to let the Holy Spirit work through me to be able to say I am enough. Yeah. You know, today I still have those voices that say I'm not enough. Yeah. Um, and that enemy wants to still yeah. do it, kill, steal and destroy. And yeah. he knows that that is my weakness, mm -hmm. the not enough. But it's so funny because when I step out in um, vulnerability and I share my story yeah you know yeah. then everything is okay right yeah because jesus wins yeah you know that is his testimony it's not my testimony a lot of us in early recovery don't want to share our story no nope. we don't want to tell anybody it's anonymous yeah but that's not what jesus wants he put that into my life as the thorn in my side for a reason yep and that thorn is beautiful now it's you know beautiful. and it is it shows what he can do yeah. who he is mm -hmm. through me mm -hmm. and if i don't share that i am doing a disservice to you and to everybody else in the world who needs to get sober or yeah. who needs to hear the message of hope or who has a loved one that's struggling i mean 
our neighbors need to hear these stories because they know some, everybody knows somebody who's suffering. Oh yeah, yeah. without question. It, I read a stat that said 90, 90% of people in the world are touched by alcoholism. Someone in their family, someone they know. Oh yeah. So that's a part of the reason that we're here and you guys can continue to reach out to us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. So we wanna segment and segue actually until close and I, I'm gonna start with this. The thing, you talked about relationship, right? Um, there's religion and there's being in relationship with Christ. And I'm being very open and candid. One of the things that I was challenged with when I came back to Christ was I talked about him being my savior. It's okay, good with that. Then I talked about him being my Lord and then the other part of that equation is lining myself up vertically and saying, you're my father, you're my Abba. And I'm still learning and working my way through that as, as God as daddy, God as, God as father and relating to him that way. Like, hey man, my heavenly father, that he's pleased with me and he's not holding anything against me because I repented, he brought me back. Um, to salvation and he's changing me and sanctifying me and he has good plans for me and yeah. a lot of that like you said I kind of felt the same thing I was never good enough I, I just kept looking and searching for validation but I'm a child of the most high God that's my identity and my identity is in Christ who I am who I will be is all in Christ and I want to encourage all of our listeners and viewers if you've never had an encounter or never looked into our Jesus, why don't you do so? Because no matter what you're going through, he's not mad at you. And we talked about yep. love, God is love. And I'm going to turn it over and, and Sarah, take us out. Um, yeah, I just wanna mimic what you said. You know, for so long, you know, I, I do wanna say a lot of us think of our fathers in ways um, that are traumatic and yeah. I'm sorry. And I, I hear you and I want you guys to share that stuff, but our heavenly father is not like that. He is love right. and, um, having a relationship with him can restore things that happened to you in the past or in childhood or recently. Yeah. And that restoration is what provides us the nourishment we need to um, live in, in community with each other and with him. And, and it's a beautiful thing. It truly is. And it's accessible to anybody. And if you, if you want to talk about it, please reach out to us. Yeah. Um, we're here to share our stories with you. We're here to talk about Christ, whatever questions you guys might have, that is why we started the show. Yes. Um, and we really just want to be honest about where we've been and where we've come. Yes. Um, and we're still learning. And so Amen. that's why we need people like you. I mean, right. you know, those people early in recovery show us more than anybody yeah. um, what it was like. And, and we are able to remember, you know, who saved us and who got us here. And so for that, I'm very thankful and I'm thankful for you and the show and um, all of you out there, just please reach out to us if you're in need. Yep, you can find us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can help support the show at HamptonMinistries.org. And we both, as we were coming out of our addiction, we needed three things. The love, we love you. The hope is in Christ Jesus. And the faith is in the Lord our God. May God Amen. richly bless you.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.